following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, November 25th, 2019, season 15, episode number 89. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And man, do we have so much to talk about today. Uh, Cowboys lose last night. They lose 13-9 to the New England Patriots. A game that was pretty messy uh, from the standpoint of the weather, but... So many, so many points that came from that game worth discussing and some things that were said after the game that we'll definitely get into as well. Let's start first, as we normally do, uh, after a, particularly after a loss and a loss with so many storylines. I want to go around the table and tell me, each of you guys, what you think was the biggest storyline coming out of yesterday's game. Nick, let's start with you. Well, I'm Everyone's going to probably say the same, uh, same two things. But I mean, I, I, special teams was the issue, and I, we talked about it all week. When you have conditions like that with the weather the way it was, it neutralizes a lot. We had good offenses, good defenses. It comes down to the little things and little things of special teams. And so it just one thing after another just continued to happen. And that's where the biggest difference is between the Patriots and the Cowboys on the field is the special teams units, and that was they were exposed. Dave. Yeah, I mean, I wrote in my story last night, you know, people love to call special teams hidden yardage, but there was nothing hidden about it last night. <laughs> it was right there in plain view for anybody to see. Uh, just a comedy of errors, man. I mean, the 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 I mean, Bill Belichick himself said the difference in the game was the block punt. Like the one short field, the one, I mean, you know, the Patriots only had to go 10, 12 yards on that possession, only touchdown of the game. Uh, Cowboys couldn't buy somebody who could handle the ball on a kick team to save their life. The sequence with, you know, the Patriots didn't put a return man out there, and that just flummoxed the Cowboys beyond belief. Gave up 20 yards of field position on an eventual New England field goal drive. Uh, you know, it, it almost like it feels cheap. Like it feels like hindsight's 2020 to sit here and harp on the special teams, but like in the moment, in a game that was that tight. I'm looking at the sheet. Five out of 27 on third down between these two teams. Like when nobody could buy a first down, it was just painstakingly obvious that the Patriots had the details fine-tuned and the Cowboys did not. Amber. I mean, it's just very unfortunate for the Cowboys. Like Nick said, when it's not one thing, it's another. And when you talk about special teams, this was a game that the Cowboys could have definitely won. I mean, when you see the way that the Patriots were playing, it was just in favor for the Cowboys, despite them being at home and all of the factors that go into that and the coaching and all of that. This was a very winnable game. But again, the Cowboys just can't stay out of their own ways and they just keep making mistake after mistake, things that didn't make much sense. And then some of the calls, there were a couple of times and, and I saw people talking about it on Twitter as well when you're being successful running the ball with Zeke or Pollard and then on a third down you decide to throw a pass. It's like, why? Why, why go that route? So again, it's just Cowboys stepping on their own foot and making their own mistakes. All right, let's, uh, let's dive a little deeper into the special teams. What do you guys think was the biggest 
special team snafu because there were you, you Dave you outlined some of them you had the uh, the block punt you had obviously and I'll even take the block punt out because I think the block punt we all know without the block punt there may not have been a touchdown uh, in that game that the Patriots would have scored but looking at the other things you got the the kickoff returns where they they couldn't quite figure out that maybe they should move the returner up 10 yards because those kicks were coming short you had the the situation there with the two penalties that 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 were 20 yards of lost yardage that would have pinned the Patriots back instead gave them the ball in pretty favorable uh, field position I think it was at their 38 I want to say um, looking at everything happened from a special team standpoint what do you think outside of the block punt was the thing that that you look at and you're like man the Cowboys just basically got out coached in this situation that's the sequence with the the 20 extra yards on the punt just felt so in the like I said in the moment it was so glaring where you know the Patriots just were like well we're not gonna we're not gonna use a returner and the Cowboys were so freaked out by that that they took a delay of game then they get the punt off uh, and it I mean it was a great punt by Chris Jones the Patriots would have had the ball at their own 18 yard line inside the 20. Uh, and again, the Cowboys were so freaked out by accounting for the change in protection because the Patriots had an extra man, which like I've never coached football. I've definitely never coached special teams, but like, I don't know. It doesn't, it just doesn't seem like such a drastic change that it's going to screw you up twice, but it did. And it was a 20 yard difference on an eventual field goal drive. I, I don't have as, I mean, that's a bad thing, but they got out coached by Bill Belichick on that play. You got out coached by yourself and the, and the freaking weather by not realizing that at some point move the move Tony Pollard up 10 yards because they're not kicking it. They can't kick it that far. Though yeah, you can just see the wind. So to not be prepared for that, they did that against Detroit when there was no rain or wind, and they still moved it up because they realized that's what the Lions were doing. So I don't know. They just put too much faith in, in those guys back there to catch it. And you know, I mean, if you're tied in, you can't catch the ball like that. Like what? I don't understand. If Tony Pollard can't catch the ball like that. Like it's just that whole the whole unit is just it's a mess. It's an yeah. absolute mess. And it was interesting after the game, Bill Belichick, when he was talking about it, he said, you know, we went into the game with the intention that we wanted to challenge their uh, their ball handling skills for their of their returners. When you think about that kind of level of detail, you think about, hey, we're going to go into this game. And one of the things we think we can challenge because of the weather is their ability to be able to field a kick. Like, that's the part that, to me— Goes well beyond. Like mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm not in any of the coaching meetings, but I certainly don't. I, I don't suspect that that's the kind of thing that that the Cowboys are necessarily doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the part that really, when you when you go up against a coach that thinks about everything. No, um, I'm not trying to cut you off. I'm sorry. I know it's our turn, but you're not going to do that because this team and this coach doesn't do that. Because we talked about it earlier. Parking lot, home, away, parking lot, moon, we do what we do. Right. Well, that's crap because what you need to do is do it differently when the rain is coming down and there's a wind, and then you got to figure out what you're going to do differently. This whole giving us hotel keys that say be who we are, that's not, that doesn't work because you can't be who you are because that's it doesn't work 72 degrees at AT&T Stadium. That's not the way it was. You have to adjust. They didn't adjust. And Bel- Belichick went into the game thinking that. Cowboys didn't. They went into the game thinking Tony Pollard stands at the goal line like he always does, and the ball goes over his head. And he does like this. Oh, oh wait. It doesn't do that? Now what? It's a scramble <laughs> drill. Do what we do. Just <laughs> why not do what they don't do? 
Like, I, it, yeah. You yeah. do what works. <laughs> do what works. Right, do what works, yeah. And again, I, we are we are making some assumptions that they didn't have these kinds of conversations, but it certainly didn't. Re- if they did, didn't reflect on the field. It didn't feel like guess, they practiced or thought about these things. Guess where it wasn't raining on Thursday in, in the Ford Center where they practiced. But it, Thursday, I think it might have been raining outside. I mean, here. I don't know. It's I, been raining around <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> we had so, a little bit of rain. But I mean, they should have been prepared for that part. They really yeah, should like, have been prepared. Yeah, like, do you need to wear gloves or do you go without gloves? I mean, you should know that. You should know yourself how you handle balls at this point in your fourth year. And to be fair, we had this discussion last week, and I think I think I remember if I remember correctly, I think the conversation went in the way of okay, you have two ways you can look at this. You can look at it as let's get a good day of practice by going inside and not dealing with the elements so that we can make sure that we have a good day of practice, or let's go outside and maybe not have as great a day of practice, but at least you get to simulate the elements. And I don't know how everybody felt on that and how everybody landed on that. But certainly you look at what happened yesterday, and in hindsight at least, you think that maybe they should have given a little more credence to the fact yeah. that you had an opportunity to mimic what you were going to face against the Patriots, and you just it was a missed opportunity. Nobody on this team really looked like they were prepared for slick football. I mean, you know, even you know the biggest offensive play of the game, Randall Cobb, fifty-eight yards. He like fumbled <laughs> to himself mid-play. Um, <laughs> so glad he caught. That, I feel right? like it happened again too. Like it. I mean, didn't Jarwin have a kind of a yes? Ball? Jarwin yeah. popped yeah. it to yeah. himself. Yeah. You know, there even was a when bad snap. On, on a pretty big play for Dak, which yep. yeah, the one. snap was bad, but then Dak needed a minute to corral it. And yeah, like, I definitely, I wasn't going into this game like clutching my pearls that they hadn't practiced in the rain, so I feel cheap harping on it now. Right. But at the same time, nobody looked ready for it. Um, and and the Patriots handled it a lot better than they did. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I, I really, you know, I, I know I was the only one on here that picked the Cowboys, and I don't, I, I don't, take that back at all because I really think watching that game I'm even more convinced than I was before I think the Cowboys have better football players than the Patriots I really do they and, do and and I think that if they play that game again and there's no excuses about it I get it they play that game again they play it at AT&T Stadium I think the Cowboys definitely win that game I think they win it again if it's if it <laughs> we're we'll probably going the same we'll way here. finish that finish that thought though I can hear people screaming the rest of that thought into their coaching. Yeah, the Cowboys have much better players, and the Patriots have much better coaches. Well, true, but I mean, there's 31 other teams that that, that don't have better but, coaches than Belichick. But that's also why they're nine and one. Yeah, with a, with a roster right now that offensively isn't doing nothing. Ten and one. I'm mean, ten and one. I'm sorry, they're ten and one <laughs> hey, now. They're ten and one. But that's my point. Like, no even rain. if you take that game, you put that in AT and T Stadium. Okay, forget AT and T Stadium. You put it wherever you want to. No put it. rain. Did the Cowboys win? I honestly, I, I go back to the same thing. I don't think that but when I'm, it comes down to those close kind of games like they have to play there, I think coaching makes a difference. And I think no matter where they would have been, they would have had the same kind of situation. Right. And I don't. I think mean, they no rain. The won. Patriots would have played better as well. I, I so it goes both 100% ways. Hundred percent agree. And don't even, don't tweet at me and say that I'm giving excuses. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is the Patriots in their coaching and special teams they handle that thing better than the Cowboys. Yeah. I, I think that it affected Dallas more than it affected New England. Yeah, I really do. Don't you? Th- I mean, I'm not giving excuses. I just think the Cowboys are a better football team if, if the conditions. But they can't. Play. I agree they with have, you on that. It has to be perfect for them, and that's not a sign of a good football. Team. And they have to that's play. Not a, they have to play a perfect game, right. and that's the problem this uh, season. Well, this game. season, what we what we've seen is against good teams, they don't have a lot of room for error. And they haven't yeah. been able to play the clean kind of game they need in order to beat these good teams. And to me, that suggests that maybe the talent may be there, but for whatever reason, they're not able to click enough We're to not be able disagreeing. to. Yeah. I would argue they have a lot of room for error. 
And that's how sloppy and unpoised they are. I mean, they lost the turnover battle minus two. And all the hidden yardage we just talked about, like they made a ton of mistakes and still only lost by four and had a chance to win the game at the end. They have a lot of room for error. I think that, that speaks a lot of how talented they are. And how not poised, well coached, uh, you put some of it on execution too. I mean, untimely flags, some of that's on the players, but they don't bring their A game basically ever. We've said it a thousand times, and I've said it at least. I mean, they're not clutch. This is not a clutch football team that wins in the fourth quarter. When the when the game's on the line and the crowd's going nuts and and they've got they're piping in the sound and it's third and eight and all that, they're not they're not making the place. We're they're gonna not making the place and and I know where we're gonna go, but to think that the Cowboys are gonna go and make the play and we're gonna get into the field goal decision, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just goes back to arrogance of thinking that you're gonna go down there. I just wanna throw this in there. I hear what you're saying and I think you have a valid point, but if this game was played at seventy two degrees indoors at eighteen I completely trust Bill Belichick to find a way to use that to his advantage. He'd be like, "Well, we knew the light would be in Dak's eyes on in the third quarter, and like that's we knew why that he missed that board up there was going to emit certain certain uh, electronical and, electronic magnetic field or something." I mean, he said something. Some of it, some of it, like it's a snowball effect, right? Yeah. Like he's an amazing coach. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best ever. And he probably gets more credit than he deserves because of it. Just, like I said, it just snowballs, and you start giving him credit for stuff that maybe he didn't even do on purpose. (laughs) At the same time, he deserves it. He absolutely deserves it, and for my money, I think he would have found a way to to eke out that game in perfect conditions. Maybe I mean we'll never know, but I mean I just it's unfortunate because this you know weather like that neutralizes everything. It comes down to the little stuff, and then that's where it was a huge you know advantage for the Patriots to win, and that's that's why the Cowboys are not a good football team right now. They're just a kind of a, a above average team that can hang in there with the good teams but they don't beat them as if we didn't talk enough about coaching we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to talk about coaching because jerry jones had some very interesting things to say last night after the game about his coaches we'll do that when we come right back this is dallascowboys.com radio i'm jay novacek former tight end for the dallas cowboys back in the day i was the guy who always got the tough yards and that's why i run with john deere today in fact i have a john deere 3025e tractor that can handle any yard work i need to do even the tough yards way out back so if you have one acre or a thousand john deere has the equipment that's just right for you visit a john deere dealer today and run with us we are the official tractor provider of your dallas cowboys whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love it's the easiest way to find buy and sell tickets plus with their deal score technology they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value so the next time you're craving this download the SeatGeek app and let's go SeatGeek Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Ready? Okay. Give, Give me an S. S. Give me an O. Give me an S. S. Give me an O. O. Let's spell. 
Just okay is not okay. Whether it's cheerleaders or your wireless network, AT&T is America's best wireless network. Best network based on GWS1 score September 2019. Back to the break. Welcome back. Second, second segment on the break. Live from the SWBC Morgan Studios at the Star. We're talking about the Cowboys' loss yesterday. They lose 13-9 to the New England Patriots. And they got a game coming up quick here. Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, they play the Buffalo Bills, who are also 9-3. and 8-3. and They're 8-3. So, uh, so yeah, there's no rest at this point. You got to keep them rolling. And the Cowboys will be back at practice this afternoon, I think, Thanks, this evening. Wait. Or is it just going to be an open it, locker no, room? No, I think it's practice is tomorrow and Wednesday. I don't okay, think so they'll do practice today. tomorrow and Wednesday and but then be ready to play by Thursday. We do have a 7 p.m. press conference with Jason Garrett. So we'll have Cowboys That'll news be fun. going for you all day today. Yeah, Stay guys, tuned. Yeah, you guys that are frustrated with Garrett for different reasons, so are we, but maybe, maybe not. Yeah, <laughs> 6.45 press that. conference. No, no one cares about that but all right so here we go I, I want to talk about coaching because uh coach Garrett uh or I'm sorry Jason uh, I'm sorry Jerry where are we going here? yesterday okay. Jerry had some very interesting things to say about his coaching staff and I'm going to read there were three quotes that I thought were very interesting I'm going to read these quotes and I want to get reaction from you guys on what it means for Jason Garrett and the staff I think that every aspect of special teams when you really look at it have been problematic for us there's no question about that To me, special teams is 100% coaching. It's 100% coaching. It's strategy. It's having players ready. That's why today Belichick, give him credit, they did a great job on special teams, and that was really probably the determining difference. But special teams is nothing but coaching. Final quote, I don't want to get into anything about coaching relative to changes or anything like that, but I will tell you that special teams is a total reflection of coaching. Do we see a theme there? <laughs> I love that. I don't want to get into coaching. That's kind of like, you know, when your spouse says, I don't really want to get in a fight here, but. but we'll, yeah, <laughs> Whatever yeah, comes after yeah, but. Yeah. I don't want to get into coaching, <laughs> but this is a reflection of coaching. Right. I have it's been. not good. They need to block a punt, return a kick for a touchdown and all that. They need something They need huge a few here. of those, not just one. I've been at 99.9% of Jerry Jones's post-game media sessions since I started covering this team, and I have never heard him like that. Mm. He's typically he'll, he's a glass-half-full kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He's not interested in throwing people under the bus or, you know. I mean, Jerry Jones always makes headlines when he talks, but it's usually not scorched-earth stuff like that. Uh, I count, I transcribed the whole thing. He said some variation of frustrated or disappointed 15 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I mean, just shot across the bow at special teams in particular, but to me, the whole coaching staff. I've never, I've never heard him be that pointed, uh, even in the wake of, I mean, and he talks after basically every game. Some of them are really devastating losses. That was, that was new. And it to me, it was and putting people on notice that this isn't going to cut it. You know what else it was? And I only got to hear a little bit of it. But it, you know how you say he's optimistic a lot of the times, even yeah. on these tough losses? I felt like the frustration of those came out Sunday. Because he basically said, yeah. don't expect to fix your problems up here. You're not going to be – he said – he also said that you're going to get out coached up here. So – He's basically his frustration about the Jets game, the Vikings game, uh, maybe the Saints game. Yep. That all kind of came to the forefront. Going, you shouldn't have had to come to Foxborough and win this game to to right the ship. 
Yep. This thing should have been fixed before it here. I actually wrote about that last night, and you took the words right out of my mouth. Is like it's weird to hear an NFL executive talk like that. Like that's how we talk, you yeah, know. Like we right. said, we said it after the Jets game. Like, well, they put themselves behind the eight ball now. Better because, beat the Patriots now. Yeah, which better steal one. That's basically what Jerry said. Is like you know. I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, you know, if we handle business against the Jets and at least like one or two of the Saints and Vikings and Packers, we're sitting here at seven and four or eight and three, and we're just like, yeah, it's hard to win up here, and it's no big it's deal. AFC team, yeah. it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but unless your overall record needs it. When it drops you to six and five and compounds all the same problems we've been seeing, yeah. I get why Jerry's frustrated. Yeah. Well, you know, every week. When these guys talk, whether it's Jerry Jones or Jason Garrett or any of the player, including Dak, they're usually pretty good at keeping everything very neutral and not really showing their emotions or anything, keeping it very political correct, you know? And this week, I feel like everybody I've listened to, you can tell by the way they answer things. When you know these when you're around long enough, you get a feel of how they are and when the, the way they answer things. And now I'm starting to get a frustration from all of them in the way they answer, including Jason Garrett. Some of the things, some of the ways he, he answered last night, you can just tell that he he is frustrated. And it, I mean, I'm not saying that's a nice thing to be, but to do, but I don't know. It's just. It's good when you get to see that from their end, and it makes you feel like, okay, you're not that crazy after all, or they're not that crazy, and you feel like, okay, we're on the same tune, and at least Jerry Jones is not blind as to what is going on with the coaching, and, you know, so it's it's good to finally hear those kinds of things, even though you're not happy about it. Yeah, I think there's... It, uh, from the top down, I think you get a vibe. I mean, from Jerry Jones to the to the inactive players, I think everybody knows that this team's better on paper than what they've put on the field. And I'll be in, I mean, there's five games left. That can either galvanize you to get it together and play better, or, I mean, it could tear the team apart, too. We have not seen that under Jason Garrett ever. That would be new territory. And, you know, the interesting part about that to me is I wonder how much Jerry expressing his frustration last night has players to where they're now looking like we kind of were thinking that, but nobody wanted to say it, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. when 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 you hear it now from the owner, then it becomes a situation where it's like, well, you know, yeah, there were probably some decisions that could have been made differently. We're not being put in the best position to, to to succeed, and that's when you start really having those problems. Where does the coach does he have a way to pull the team back together and make sure they don't fracture at this point because He's not, and this is probably recognizably so, because his staff is not putting their team in the best position. Well, I to win. wonder how much voice these players actually have when they go into meetings. Do they are they really voicing their opinions as to like how they're being utilized on the field? I don't know, but well, I'll be curious to know. I also think we, I mean, yeah, the coaching was was not good. But let's put some of it on I me. Mean, you got to put some on the players too. Absolutely. They didn't play very well. Yeah. I mean, the, the, talk about goats. Catch it. I'm sorry. Catch the mm. ball. Jason, what? you got to yeah. catch it. you got to catch the ball. Two drops. Two but big that's what, drops and that's, and that's the thing he does, right? But, you expect that he's going to catch the ball because that's the greatest but, thing he brings to the right, table. Right, but a, I mean, I'm, I'm not just trying to single out him, but there's a lot of guys like that. Tyron Smith, you can't get a false start penalty like that, push him back five yards. Maher needs every yard you can get. <laughs> you can't do that. That, that was a three-point penalty right there yeah so i mean it, it there's I, I get the frustration with the coach because it's real easy to just 
start here and then it trickles down. But these players that are making a lot of money, make make some plays. They needed you to make more plays. Some of these guys on defense, some offensive linemen, they needed Dak to step up and make plays. So all around, it was it was a frustrating day for the coaching and the special teams. But these players that that are going to be voted to the Pro Bowl, they didn't play that well either yesterday at times. I mean, there were some times that they, that they dropped the ball too, literally. I agree with you to a point, but again, I mean, the conditions made that game such a wash. I mean, and it reminded me of the, I mean, the last time they really played in conditions like that, 2017, uh... You could point, I mean, the the defense and the special teams really made the difference in that game. They had a pick six. They had a blocked field goal that got returned to the goal line. They needed plays like that. But at the same time, you know, Zeke had 35 carries in that game because it's the only thing they could do. So, no, they, the offense didn't play well. They outgained the Patriots. I mean, it's it's hard for me to say they put themselves in position to win, but in conditions like that, right? Well, you get what you can, honestly again. You, you said you it. It has to be defense and special teams in games like that, and they were clearly outplayed on defense and special teams, three, and that's where the difference was in this game. Three straight games without a takeaway, and I know what the Cowboys were the last team in the league to start on the opponent's side of the field. They finally broke that streak, I think, against the Giants, but. I mean, how many truly short fields has this offense been given? Yep. It's a testament to how good they've been most of the year that they've been so good despite that. I mean, they're driving the field every time, and I hate to blame the defense. They gave up 13 points. Yeah. I really feel like they did their job, but in games like that, you've got to create short fields, and yep. they did not. Just so uh, you have a frame of reference there, the Cowboys' average starting field position was their own 21. Average starting field position for the Patriots – they're on 41. That's mm. 20 yards difference in their start average starting field position. Two of their drives starting in da- uh, in Cowboys territory. One of them in the red zone. Exactly. So, I mean, that's your difference in the game. Again, a game like that, everybody was having, you know, drops and miscues. I mean, Edelman dropped a couple passes. So, it happens in those kinds of situations. I just think at the end of the day, you got to be able to, to overcome that specifically with your special teams and playing a full position game, and that's where coaching becomes so important. We're going to take our final break when we come back. I do want to dive a little deeper into some of the coaching decisions yeah. that were made in that game and get some opinions from you guys on how egregious they were. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Just okay is not okay. Whether it's cheerleaders or your wireless network, AT&T is America's best wireless network. Best network based on GWS1 score September 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again for tailgating with the OtterBox boys. OtterBox, the company that builds wildly overproductive phone cases? The one and only. But cases are just the start. OtterBox is the official outfitter of tailgating. If they can keep my phone safe, what can they do for my parking lot party? How about protecting your beverages from suboptimal drinking temperatures with their elevation tumblers? And OtterBox elevation tumblers come in three sizes. A 10-ouncer, a 20-ouncer, and even a 64-ounce grab. Check out all the colors and sizes of their elevation tumblers at otterbox.com. Whether you're into being a part of this or more into something like this, SeatGeek has the tickets to the events you love. It's the easiest way to find, buy, and sell tickets. Plus, with their deal score technology, they'll recommend the best seats in the house at the best value. 
So the next time you're craving this, download the SeatGeek app and let's go. SeatGeek. Hey, Cowboys Nation, this season when the Cowboys win, you get to experience the sweet taste of victory because if the Cowboys win, the next day, Dunkin' is offering a free medium hot or iced coffee. So don't just celebrate the Cowboys' success from the sidelines. Head to Dunkin' and treat yourself to real victory because this season, Cowboys fans aren't only winning on game day, they're winning the next day, too, with a free medium coffee. Cowboys Nation runs on Dunkin'. Excludes cold brew. Limit one per guest. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Before we jump back into talking about this Cowboys Patriots game, Nick, give us a little something. Oh, this is a Big 12 championship game. Uh, Baylor, yeah. Oklahoma, December 7th, ATT Stadium. Get your tickets at 11 o'clock. Ticket, uh, SeatGeek.com. Let's go. Baylor, Oklahoma. Cool. Championship yeah. games. They happen at yeah. the Star sometimes. Teams get championship games at the Star. Let's go. ATT Stadium. At the ATT Stadium. I'm sorry. Let's go. Let's talk about football. Let's talk. We, we buried the lead. It's 40 minutes. No one's talking about the fourth and seven. All right. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of these coaching decisions. The first one that Nick obviously wants to talk about is fourth and well, seven. I mean, everyone, Cowboys, Cowboys make the decision that they want to kick a field goal on fourth and seven. They're in the fourth quarter. Yeah. It was six-something left six, in the game. Six-ish, yeah. And they decided they want to go for a field goal. How egregious was that mistake if you believe that it was a mistake? Nick took the words right out of my mouth, so you just go ahead and say I, it. I just I believe that Jason said if it was more manageable, they would have gone for it. That's their fault that it's not manageable. I don't I don't hate the fourth and seven field goal. I hate the fact that they made it fourth and seven. They didn't have to. It's a rainy, wet game. They can't throw. They can't snap. They can't catch. So how about we run the football? Keep running it on third down. on third down gotcha. on second down, and then maybe it's fourth and two. Fourth, maybe it's first down. Who knows? It's a totally different situation. They they decided that Dak wants to run around and throw it to Blake Jarwin in the back of the end zone. He doesn't have the awareness to make that play. Jason Witten doesn't have the ability to make sliding catches on, on behind Gilmore. That's not going to happen. They didn't they didn't do a good job of setting that up. So that's what you know. And I still would have gone for it on fourth and seven, but it didn't have to be fourth and seven. The whole series should have been predicated on the thought that they were going to go for it on fourth down. Yes. Um, I, yeah, like I don't think they would have picked up a fourth and seven, so I can't kill them for kicking the field goal. Like I don't want, I didn't want them to, but I think it's asinine to think that they were going to pick up eight yards after what we'd seen all day. But you don't have to throw it to Blake Jarwin with two guys on him in the back of the end zone. You could scramble, maybe honestly, maybe pick up the yeah, first down, maybe should have five, have six that. yards at the very least, and set up a fourth and manageable. How about this? I love creativity, misdirection, all that cool stuff, but they've tried the freaking they've tried the option about five times this year and it never works. Ever. It has not worked once. They did it against the Jets on a fourth down, I believe, and it blew up in their face. They've run it at least four times this year, and I I would bet a paycheck that the longest it's gained is like three yards. So get rid of that, please. Um but they sh- all four of those play calls should have been predicated on getting that first down because again, you talk about Taking the pulse of your team, it's something Brian always used to, still does love to say. Uh, Knowing the situation, and I just think, and and to Jason Garrett's credit, it worked out. They got the ball back, but you're again, you're. I mean, they would have had to have driven 95 yards, even if Amari makes that catch. They're still 60 yards away from Pater with a minute something to play. It's doable, but why not just? 
go put yourself in this position to win the game right there. It's a way better chance you're going to pick up 20 yards and score a touchdown with three minutes to play. Give your defense a chance to pin their ears back and go after Tom Brady because he's going to need to get down the field. I like your odds of winning that way better than, okay, well, if we force this three and out and play this perfectly, then we'll have a chance to drive 90 yards and score a touchdown. I don't buy that. Still don't hate the decision to kick on fourth and seven because of the way the offense has been playing, but all of your decision-making up to that point should have been about four-down territory, in my opinion. I still look at it, though, if you would have been fourth and seven, even if they don't get the fourth and seven, I look at it as you force you end up giving them the ball there at the, what, the 11-yard line. So most likely they're just at that point trying to salt the game away. Yeah. You probably get the ball back. You probably still have an opportunity to do sure. exactly what you sure. would have wanted to do anyway. So you're already down there. It's not likely you're going to drive all the way back down there again. Take your shot. And, and again, I think it, it goes back to what you were saying, Nick. You have to be aware that you're going to do that early on. And then you create two, you call two plays that you think um, can get you a little closer. One that can get you a little closer than seven yards. And then a fourth and three, fourth and four, you feel a little bit better about. So I, I do think it's probably the wrong decision. And that's where it starts to get into these, these conversations of analytics. And I know there's been a lot of conversation about that today. Jason was asked about it, said that that's not something they, they really use in that way. Uh, but when you think about it, you know, the Patriots, they have analytics people who are talking to their coach throughout the game. The the Baltimore Ravens have analytics people talking to their coach throughout the game. It, it makes you wonder why the Cowboys wouldn't utilize that sort of technology, that sort of um, just, you know, understanding the game in a different way to give you the best opportunity to win based upon math, based because, upon the probability. Because their head coach thinks that he is that guy because he went to Princeton and all. I mean, maybe he thinks he is that guy. I'm I, I'm not saying I don't know this. I mean, I'm not having lemonades with Jason Garrett about stuff like that, so I don't know, but I'm just saying it's hard. I mean, he's been around football forever. I don't know how those coaches think about a guy sitting up there money ball like telling him that this is a good I don't I don't know. And I don't even know if that's a good way to do it. I don't know if John Harbaugh does it in Baltimore well, says, oh, "Okay." I mean, well, the way I, the I, way I, I look at it, the I way know. I look at it is there's not a CEO in America that doesn't have people that are giving him information and then he ultimately makes a decision. Just cuz you get the information doesn't mean you have to use it. So if a coach gets the information from yeah. let's say a person that that knows the probabilities and says, "Hey, based on the what I'm seeing in the game, here's the probability of what you should do right here." Jason could still overrule that and say, you know, my gut's just telling me to do something different. Which He's the head my, coach. He has the ability to do that. John Harbaugh, the Athletic, wrote about this last week. John Harbaugh's got a guy that's younger than me giving him the win probabilities of every outcome of every play throughout the And game. did you hear what his training was in? It wasn't uh, just probabilities. Something. It was behavioral. There you go. I think it was behavioral, behavioral sciences, sciences or something like that. But the point was, he's not just thinking about the probabilities. He's also thinking about human behavior and how human behavior factors into probabilities. Which he also, I mean, you know, we're going way back, but like week four or five, the Ravens played the Chiefs and they went for it on fourth down like five times. They didn't get a lot of them. They lost the game. And Harbaugh talked about it. He was like, yeah, you know, we listen to those guys and a lot of it is my gut, but at some point, the numbers kind of tell you what the right course of action is. Right. More than the fourth and seven, to me, the worst play of the game, I think, that affected the entire game was third and one at the 35-yard line at the two-minute warning. They're, the team that is supposed to be a run football team that's physical, that's the only thing they're really doing well. Third and one, they got to run the football there. They don't do that. And then, yeah, they get the first down. That's great. But I guarantee you, I don't care what the tripping call was. I guarantee you that's not tripping if you run the football. You're setting yourself up for a situation. Now it's third and 11. 
I am looking at it now. That's not a trip. That's not a trip. It might be an attempted trip, but it wasn't a trip. Putting your knee up like that, Deion Sanders did it for 30 years. Putting your <laughs> knee up like that is not a trip. It looks like you might have thought about it, but that isn't a trip. You know what's funny is I see, there are some people on Twitter that are like, we're really killing them for throwing when two weeks ago that's all we wanted them to do. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it was working. Throwing was working against the Vikings in a dome. Right, <laughs> running was working against the Patriots outdoors. I guess you had to be there to know how many that it was uh, so nasty. I'm, I, I think I see. Trip. I think yeah. I see one down lineman on that play. The Cowboy. Yeah. I gave Kellen Moore credit during the game. They ran a draw in a similar situation and picked up five yards on a third and short. Zeke was averaging four yards per carry. The run was really the only thing they were doing with any consistency. They were averaging 4.2 as a team, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and the pass worked. I get it. It was a bad call. Um, but I just, there's so many more moving parts. And on a, ni- on a night when nobody could hang on to the ball, I just I think I would have run the ball. I will say this. I about think the- I would have I, wow. yeah, that, that that run the ball twice in that scenario had it gotten to fourth and short. I will say this about the tripping. And you and I, we talked about this a little bit off air a few minutes ago. I heard, um, I think it was Rob, I know Rex Ryan this morning uh, on the air uh, on NFL Network talking about the, or ESPN, talking about the fact that, that he had people that told him that essentially the tripping uh, was something that Belichick had noticed throughout the throughout his preparation, his, his film study on the Cowboys, and because of that, sent in some clips to the league, and so the league then uh, tells their referees, okay, here's something that this coach is noticing, be aware of it, and that all makes sense to me because when you see a, a clip like that and you see the, the the tripping call, you see right there, Travis Frederick's leg goes out. To me, that looks like the referee saw the leg go out. He didn't actually trip him, but he saw the leg go out, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's what, we were, that's what we've been talking about this week. Bam, here goes the flag. And, and a similar wow. thing could have happened with, with Tyron Smith. It didn't really look like a tripping call, but if you're alerted to something and told, hey, this is something the Cowboys are doing regularly in these kinds of situations, be aware of it. Same guy. Then the refs are going to be looking for that particular the same, call, right? Look, it's the same exact player for the Patriots. Yeah, I'm, I see it. And Hightower, the same guy. I mean, he's the one that goes in here. And, and here on this play with Tyron Smith, he just goes down. I mean, that... <laughs> but you see, in both instances, though, he goes down and the leg is yeah. out there a little bit. So I it thought, makes sense. But again, that goes back to... Coaching, like when you see those kinds of things, and you can create these these things that that the refs now have to pay attention to, it creates an opportunity for you maybe to get these kinds of calls, right? In a game that features like what? How many games? How many plays did they run in this game total? Like 150? Um, yeah. I I hate even you know even take it all the way back to the NFC title game last year. Like everybody, you know, the terrible call. The Saints should have had it. I get that. Game went to overtime and Drew Brees threw a terrible interception. Nobody ever talks about that. Like I, I hate. I mean, I hate zeroing in on one play and like acting like that's the reason why you lose a game. Very similar to that situation, and I remember with the Saints Rams game. The, the problem I had was was Peyton throwing the ball. I mean, to me, it, it it goes down to okay, well, you know, your kid went into this yard and the dog bit their hand, and like, oh, why did the dog bite? Well, let's well back up. Why are they in the yard? Like, let, let's go. You don't have to do that. You don't have to pass on third and one to set that up. The Patriot or the Saints didn't have to pass down there early on to to even let that thing happen. So I always kind of take it back a play or two. I I just think third and one they should have run the ball. They should have had two plays to get a first down and get this thing rolling, and they didn't. You know, and then Amari Cooper. We haven't talked about that. Well, I don't know why he, he got shut out. So. 
Um, the yacht went. We're kind of we're running short on time, but I don't like. Am I crazy? I just like. I I have no beef with Amari having the game that he had. Honestly, and I know like. You're, yeah, your all pros are supposed to step up. Yeah, you're crazy for that. Okay, I think. I mean, what, but, but but if we're gonna if we're gonna if this guy's gonna be worth twenty million a, a year, like shouldn't he make a play? And I like, mean, well, isn't he the, the most he reliable like, playmaker? Was it a in situation where he wasn't getting targets? He can't throw the ball himself though. Or he, he got can two get targets. Open. He can get open. So are you saying he wasn't open? Because I don't know that that he wasn't open as much as maybe just didn't throw him the ball. I mean, he caught a pass that Tyrant on the on the Tyrant holding. We don't have that one, but yeah. the Tyrant hold that that wiped out. He did have a catch right. there, and he had a chance. He was targeted here in fourth and eleven, and. Would have been a great catch. It would have, you know, but and that's a tough catch to make in those conditions. No doubt. So no I, doubt. I don't kill him too much for that one. But I mean, but I need my guy to, to make a. I play get it, but I will, I will tell you this too, and that he was asked this question after the game. Like, don't you think that? Do you get frustrated that um, that they don't scheme up ways to get you open? Because they, I would assume they could. He was like, yeah, you can get anybody. Like, you can try to scheme up whoever you want to scheme up to get opportunities. He said, now in, in conditions like it was today, I'm not certain that would have been the best thing. I mean, they were running the ball effectively, and again, in this, this is the difference. I think in a game like this, you have to realize your game plan is going to be don't mess it up on offense. Take advantage of opportunities, and you got to be able to play a clean game on, on your special teams and defense, and you got to be able to hopefully create some 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 bad take advantage of some bad situations for your opponent in those situations to get yourself a short field. It was exactly what the Patriots did. In that kind of game, you're not going to move the ball a ton. So I don't know that him getting more targets necessarily makes that game any better uh, because I don't know the quarterback was going to consistently be able to get it to him in a, in a catchable way. I mean, that wasn't Dak's best game either and probably because of the field conditions. But at the end of the day, they just have to, they have to figure out how to win those close games, and that's a lot more about all the other things that go into a game than it is about getting Amari Cooper more targets, think, in my opinion. I think that's letting him off the hook. He, he's supposed to be an all-world player. He had two targets. He didn't make a catch in the game. He got shadowed by Gilmore, who had more catches than him in the game. I think that's bad. I mean, I, I put some of that on him. He's got to beat the best cornerback in the game, especially when the conditions are what they are. Imagine if you're a cornerback backpedaling trying to cover this guy. You should have an advantage. And he, I mean... I need him to, to make more plays in that game. They threw it 33 times. I'd like to think he would be open some of that and be able to make a play. I mean, Gallup was making some plays. I get Gilmore's tough, but, I mean, if if Cooper is an elite receiver like he's about to be paid, he needs to make more plays in that game. That's just my take. I, mean, I don't kill him for it, but yeah. he's he's going to have a great game against Buffalo and all that. I get it, but I'm just saying they needed all of their playmakers to, to step up there. And didn't happen enough. Didn't happen enough. Yes, Certainly not. not. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We're back tomorrow. We're gonna to start getting ready for this Baltimore. I mean, I'm sorry for this Bills game, Dave. We're gonna do the uh, the Baltimore. I mean, the Bills offense tomorrow, and then the Bills defense on Wednesday. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eaton. This has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!